<laughs> Some of you might fit into that group, uh, or you have a relative who does for sure. Hey, welcome everybody to all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. So glad you made it to church. Want to welcome those of you at our White Bear Campus, Lionel Lakes, Spring Lake Park, Blaine, Woodbury Campus, Anoka, and Wyzetta. And welcome to those of you who are joining us online today, and Merry Christmas, everybody across the Twin Cities joining us today. And that... Uh, January series, that ad you just saw, or whatever you want to call that, the little video, Imperfect Together is all about relationships. We all have relationships. Relationships are very difficult, very complex, and we can get better at doing relationships. It's not a marriage series, but all of us have relationships that we care about. Maybe we're struggling in some relationships. So Imperfect Together, January 5th, you're not going to want to miss uh, that great series. I want to ask a question, though, as we start our Christmas talk today, and the question is this. Don't raise any hands, but how many of you realize that your life will never be perfect? Some of you might even have an image of what a perfect Christmas would be like, but there is no such thing, really, as a perfect Christmas. Someone in your family will get mad or say something hurtful. Someone might drink too much again. Someone might turn a friendly discussion into an argument, or maybe you've been waiting for something like an acceptance letter or a viable pregnancy, and it just isn't happening. You know, maybe this Christmas is especially hard because someone you loved is no longer here. And so every Christmas from now on, it's going to be different. Christmas is often a reminder that life isn't perfect. My wife and I haven't had a Christmas tree in over 10 years, mainly because it always fell over, so we just gave up. Uh, the kids kind of complain that we're like the Grinch, but we tell them uh, to get their own tree if they want. We just kind of ignore them. <laughs> but my wife has all these Christmas things that she does. She puts a little red sleigh on our front porch. She has little red candy boxes on our counters, little elfy things that she hangs from the cupboard doorknobs that make the cupboards hard to close. But her favorite Christmas thing is a ceramic frog with a Santa hat that sits on the center island of our kitchen. And she's had this thing for 20 years, and nothing says Christmas to my wife than this ceramic Santa frog. Now, part of it is she sort of has a thing for frogs. Uh, she cringes whenever she sees one, fl see one flatten like a pancake on the road on her walks. When she mows our backyard, uh, she stops a dozen times uh, trying to pick up and move the tiny toads out of the way so they don't get mulched. Takes her forever to mow the grass. I sit on the deck watching this, and she picks, up, she, picks up, she picks up the toads, and she talks to them while she takes them to the backwoods and, and sets them free where they're safe. So out came her favorite ceramic Santa frog just a couple of weeks ago, and as she was kind of squeezing past me in the kitchen. She bumped into my foot, and it was just enough to throw her off balance, and the frog's head flew off and shattered into a thousand pieces on the counter, and in that moment, time stood still. Because I knew that a part of my wife's heart had just been shattered. Now, I've always been a little flippant about her frog. Kind of rolled my eyes when she brings it out, but not this time. I was genuinely sad. Uh, for 20 years, that frog has been the centerpiece in our kitchen uh, at Christmas, kind of reminding us that it's Christmas time, time for tradition, family, and things that make our house a home. 
So I immediately got out the super glue and we found most of the pieces, but you just know, you just know that when something gets broken like that, it's never going to be the same. Some pieces were missing or broken beyond repair, and I did my best, but one of his eyes is chipped, and he's got a, he's got a hole in his nose that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> and honestly, as I looked at these shattered pieces on our counter, I thought, you know what? That's really a picture of human life. All of us have broken pieces, don't we? All of us have broken relationships, broken dreams, brokenness, some of us in our bodies and in our souls. And sometimes the brokenness in somebody else's life spills into your life and the betrayal that somebody else committed or the lie or abuse that somebody else committed shattered your heart and you wonder, will I ever be whole again? And so you get out the super glue to try to patch up your life. Maybe by finding a new partner or new friends, only to find out that they're broken too. And honestly, it doesn't matter how nice your house is or how well your football team does or how many movies you watch. The cracks are still there. And we're never the, we're never the same again. But the story of Christmas, gang, <laughs> the story of Christmas is that a Savior has come to piece us back together that the one who made us came to us and he came into the world. He took on human flesh and experienced all the brokenness that we do. The Bible says that God became flesh and actually lived among us. He could have come as a superhero, but instead he allowed himself to be born to a teenage girl whose pregnancy was so scandalous that her fiance Joseph was planning to leave her. In fact, the gospel writer Matthew writes it this way. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, being a righteous man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly as he considered this. He fell asleep, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, you wouldn't expect, you just wouldn't expect that's how God would enter the world as a baby caught in a swirl of controversy. I mean, when Mary told Joseph she was pregnant, he knew the baby wasn't his. Must have destroyed him. But he was such a righteous and good man that he decided to break the engagement quietly. He intended to act with mercy and with love. But then God sent an angelic messenger to him explaining that Mary's pregnancy was somehow a miracle and was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And if you're skeptical about that, by the way, I totally get that. It makes for a nice story, some of you are thinking, but a virgin birth, come on. Who believes that? But think about this for just one second. Isn't any birth, 
Isn't any birth hard to believe when a microscopic sperm cell unites with a tiny embryo, which then becomes Bob Merritt? <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Who can, by the way, talk and do this all at the same time. It's miraculous. My mind doesn't even think about it. Can you do that? I can do that. It's an absolute miracle when a tiny sperm unites with an embryo and becomes Garth Brooks, who's coming to town, I think May, sold out, just fantastic. I mean, or Adele, some of you are Adele fans, that's great, good for you. <laughs> now I lost my spot. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if God can do that, think about it. If God can create human beings, God can do anything he wants. And so he did. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. No big deal to God. As fully human, get this, to experience all the brokenness that we do, but also as fully God to overcome our brokenness. So he healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, cast out demons, and raised the dead. Fully God, but fully man, who entered our brokenness and subjected himself to all of the pain and loss and betrayal that we do. And then was eventually crucified for sins he never committed to pay for the sins that you and I commit every day. Prophet Isaiah said it this way, God laid on Jesus the sins of all of us. Jesus took our sins on himself. By the way, it was the only way. Only God, think about it, could take on the world's debt of sin. Only God could take on the decade after decade of sins that have been committed by us and to us and pay for them all. With his death and resurrection, the prophet Isaiah wrote it this way, Jesus was wounded for the wrongs that we did. He was crushed for the evil that we all did. The punishment that made us well was given to him and by him we are healed by his wounds. It means that, gang, your most defining moment in life doesn't have to be when you dropped the frog and a part of your life was shattered. Your most defining moment doesn't have to be the sin or sins that have broken you or the friend that betrayed you or the parent who maybe abandoned you. Your most defining moment, I'm telling you, will be when you let the God who loves you Put the pieces of your life back together for you. Here's what I know about every single one of us, including me, all of us. All of us have broken pieces. All of us have done things we're ashamed of. We have hurt other people, other people have hurt us, and we wonder, will we ever be whole again? So if you've got some broken pieces in your life, here's three things that God can do for you. Number one, I'm telling you, God can heal you. Some of you this Christmas need to be healed. 
Not just physically, but something in your, your spirit, your emotion, maybe relationally healed. So you need to be healed. Gang, all of us get hurt in life. But not all of us get healed because we don't know the healer. Jesus came to heal us. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted. Some of you are brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. Isaiah said, by his wounds, we are healed. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed people. Not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And I'm telling you, he still heals people today. I got a handwritten letter a few months ago from a young mom, and she wrote these words. She said, Bob, I'm running to thank you. She said, you don't know me, but I was introduced to Eagle Brook by my brother who volunteers at your Wyzetta campus. She says, I live in Iowa. I'm a physical therapist with a good job, nice home, wonderful husband and daughter. I'm so grateful for all of that and feel very blessed. But the last seven months have been the most difficult in my life. She writes, last fall, I suffered my first miscarriage. As I battled through that hard time, we were excited to find we were expecting again. But once again... I miscarried, and I was broken. I was depressed. I felt guilt and anger and sadness. I was lost, she says. About three weeks ago, I took initiative to not feel this way anymore. I started watching and listening to God's word. I get my headphones, find an elliptical machine, and just listen to God's word through you and your church. She said, today I listened to your message on anxiety, and I hold so much tension and anxiety over the issues I've had this year. But today, she says, I am letting go. I'm giving it to God. So thank you for being a healer in my life and pointing me to the ultimate healer, Jesus. She says, I can look at this past year as the worst year of my life or the time that I became more devoted to following Jesus. Thank you, and God bless you. She's beginning healed. When we get broken by life and the pieces are lying on the floor, the truth is you will never be the same after that. The memories and scars become a part of who God is forming you to be. But if you are willing to trust him today, Jesus Christ can heal you. The cracks will still be there, but the promise of Christmas is that Jesus is a savior who heals people. When my wife's frog broke, I texted my daughter to see if she could find another one, and she found one on eBay that was $90. I said, well, no, no frog's worth that. So <laughs> I said, keep looking. And so she did. She said, hey, I found one for $45. And I said, well, why don't you and David, your brother, get this as a Christmas gift for your mom? And so they did, and it showed up on our porch a week, a couple days later. <laughs> and it was great. But you know what? I think we'll keep the old one. We'll keep the new one too, but we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep the old one as a reminder that life isn't perfect. And when we get broken and the pieces are laying on the counter, that we have a Savior who can piece us back together. And he will do that for you. He will if you trust him. Second thing God can do for us when we're broken is that God 
I love this. God can do the impossible. He can. When Joseph heard that his fiance was pregnant, I mean, it was the worst possible news for him. But think of Mary, who's just been told by an angel that she's pregnant. And it was so disturbing to her that it says in Luke 129, she was greatly troubled by his words and said, how can this be? How can this be? Since I am a virgin, I mean, that's a tremendous question. So the angel came back and said, well, Believe it or not, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and the Holy One born to you will be called the Son of God. Again, makes for a nice story, but who wants that responsibility to be the mother of God? Think about it. You have a teenager who's absolutely perfect and you're his mom. And he constantly criticized you. And he's right every time. (laughs) She says, how can this be? Who wants this? Why me? And then the angel spoke words to her. But I'll tell you, I think all of us need to hear these words. She said, Mary, look, nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that, by the way? I actually do. I actually believe that nothing is impossible with God. I want to just highlight a couple of words. First of all, nothing is impossible. Is there anything in your life right now that you would say, this is absolutely impossible? It might be your marriage, it could be a son or daughter who's off the rails, it could be a situation at school or work, could be an illness, and you are saying, this is absolutely impossible. But the Bible says, look, nothing is beyond. And the second word is so important, with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Some of you are facing an impossible situation or person right now, and the truth is, it is impossible in human terms. But it's not with God. And here's what I would say to you. Bring it to him. Bring it to God and leave it with him. He can handle your impossible situation. But so often what we do is we pray a prayer, we bring it to God, and then we take it all back and put it on our own shoulders. Bring it and leave it with the God who can do the impossible. Third thing that God can do when something is broken is that God can save you. God can save you. The angel said, she will have a son to Joseph and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Bible says that 2,000 years ago, God stepped into our world through a supernatural birth and took on human flesh. That he walked the planet for 33 years. That he healed sick people, gave sight to blind people, performed miracles, and then he was killed on a cross, but he came back to life on the third day. And the question is, why? Why did Jesus do that? Well, the gospel writer John says it this way, God so loved this world. God so loves each one of us 
that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved you and me that he sent his son Jesus to heal us and teach us and be with us and then God ordained that Jesus would be executed on a cross to pay for the sins of the entire world. Do you understand, everybody, that the Bible says that our sins have separated us from God? He's a holy God. That none of us are good enough to overcome the gap that sin and death put between us and God. God had to do it for us and so he sent his son to die for our sins and break the curse of death. But the Bible goes on to say that whoever believes in him, whoever receives Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and invites him into their lives to forgive sin and overcome death, the Bible says God will do that. He'll save you. He'll forgive you in that moment of prayer. God will never give up on you. Many of you know about our chocolate lab named Blue. And uh, he has boundless energy when he catches the scent of a pheasant. I mean, he, he snaps into a different zone. He nose to the ground, quarters back and forth. I'm just, I love this. I'm crazy about him. But he's got a sinful habit that I'm growing very, very weary of. But once a year, he runs away. And it happened again just three weeks ago. Uh, he stood at the back sliding door waiting to be let out, as he does several times a day, and I assumed he had to go, so I, I opened the sliding door and let him out. Frigid 10-degree weather. It was really cold, dark, nighttime. I was looking for just a settling down for the evening and having dinner and just a quiet evening with my wife. A few minutes later, I got up and I whistled for him to come back, and he was gone. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. I was exhausted. I was in no mood. But I bundled up, hat, boots, headlamp. Off I went through our backwoods into this enormous swamp, found his tracks in the snow, followed him into the swamp as far as I could, yelling and whistling, uh, but he was lost. I came back home after 45 minutes, drove all over the neighborhood, yelling and whistling for him. Finally, I returned home, and these are the exact words I said to my wife. I said, Laura, I'm done. I've had it. He might die out there tonight, but there's nothing I can do. I've had it with this dog. And I just want to pause and ask a question. Have you ever felt that way about someone? That you were just so fed up that you've had it. By the way, that can happen. And sometimes there's nothing you can do. Sometimes that person needs to hit rock bottom. Sometimes you need to have some boundaries around that situation. Or maybe it's something in your own life that you've tried to overcome but the anger, jealousy, or fear just keeps happening and you think, I'm hopeless. There's nothing I can do. So you just give up. And that's where I was with this dog the other night. And my wife was sitting there quietly on the couch and I knew that she was deeply bothered. I knew that 
She wouldn't sleep that night. I knew that there was a pit in her stomach, and so she finally said, Bob, let's, let's drive around one more time. I'll go with you. I said, Laura, I've had it. I said, if you want to go one last time, go ahead, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm done. And so she did. She prayed a quick prayer as she was getting in the car. Lord, guide me to our dog. Help me find him so I can bring him home. Just a simple prayer. Everything was dark. Nobody was out in the neighborhood. About a mile away from our home, she just caught a glimpse of this dark animal running around the backside of someone's house. And so she got out of the car and just, you know, took a guess. And she said, Blue, come, boy. And here he came, just running, happy as could be. <laughs> Jumped in the car. And Laura said, in that moment, all I felt was gratitude to God. She said, ultimately, losing a dog's not that big of a deal compared to other problems, but I felt God's mercy and answer to a simple prayer. And gang, what I want all of you to know today is that God will never give up on you. I gave up on Blue because that's what we humans do. We get exhausted and frustrated and defeated, and so we give up on each other. And this is really hard for some of you to believe. But God will never give up on you. God is in pursuit of you and calling your name, but it's hard for some of you to believe that because your human experience has been just the opposite. People have given up on you. For some of you, it was a parent or a sibling or a spouse or friend or boss, and so you have a hard time believing that God will never do that. I gave up on our dog, but Laurie didn't. She went out again to look for him, and maybe today, maybe today, God is out looking for some of you. One more time. And he's calling your name, and he's hoping that you'll hear his voice and come to him and be saved. And as we close our time together, we want to show you a video of a real life, a real person who heard God calling his name and responded and he was saved. And then I'll come up and close. Watch this. You know, I've, I've never loved holidays. That Christmas magic, that Christmas spirit, it's never quite found me. Christmas always felt more stressful than anything else. You know, a lot of it felt a little fake to me. Like, let's all pretend that we love each other and this is great for this one day a year, but a week later we'll be back to the same fighting and yelling. Grew up with an alcoholic father who just, because of that disease, caused a lot of pain. My dad left when I was 12 and my mom was working two and three jobs to keep us afloat. I got a job when I was 14, um, but we were kind of in this constant cycle of just trying to make it. Uh, middle school, I, I was killing it. I had straight A's, I was on the basketball team. Um, as soon as high school hit, I couldn't concentrate, I couldn't focus. On the outside, most people didn't know. I held it together pretty well, um, but every day was a struggle. I used to write on my math papers, I hate my life every day, over and over. Um, and I was just uh, really, really struggling. The one thing I really did enjoy was music. And so after high school, I went off to college to be a music teacher, but my problems followed me. So I started to cope with drinking and uh, inevitably that made everything a lot worse. I mean, at that time, I didn't even really know what depression was. 
I never knew that just simply being alive and breathing could hurt that much, that I could be trapped just in this, this room, this prison of pain, of hating who I was and not wanting to be alive. And, you know, late at night, I, I would start Googling um, suicide. And more and more of those thoughts crept in. Um, more and more it became something that I was actually thinking about. So then in November 2011, everything just really hit rock bottom. This girl that I'd been in love with in college was marrying somebody else. I really hated my job, felt like I was terrible at it. I just couldn't take it anymore. And I couldn't see any way uh, that things would ever get better. And so I gave myself an ultimatum. I decided that on December 25th, on Christmas day, either I would take my own life or I would never think about suicide again. Like enough was enough. So I woke up on Christmas day. I put a note on the bathroom door that said, please don't come in. And uh, I sat on the floor for most of the day, just sobbing. Um, finally, late in the afternoon, I was staring in the mirror and uh, I just started counting backwards from 10. First it was 10 and nine. And I remember seeing all these images of my friends and my family and these happy things in seven and six. And I remember seeing just the worst moments of my life of abuse and neglect in five and four. Finally at three, uh, this question broke through, just this, this feeling. It was like, have you really given life everything you've got? I'm not sure that you have Something in me changed. It was just this like feeling in my chest of, of, I mean, I guess I would call it hope. Um, now I would call that God. Uh, and finally, uh, late at night, I sat in this abandoned parking lot in downtown Minneapolis and I just watched the minutes tick by. 1158, 1159, midnight. I had made it. I decided to stay. Before the attempt, I definitely knew who God was, but I definitely didn't invite him in to how I was living my life. And I knew that there had to be a better way of living than the way I was. And so I just cried out to God. I just said, God, if you are real, I'm gonna need you to show me how to live a better life. It certainly wasn't an instant fix. Like I wasn't instantly healed of depression and suicidal thoughts, but I believed that with the help of God, I actually could change. I could pick up the pieces. And every time I took just a little baby step in following him uh, and whatever that looked like, whether that was in the counselor's office or into church when I didn't feel like it, every step just was this slow process. Um, and I woke up seven years later at, at 30, and, and life's pretty good. Today, I teach elementary music to first through fifth graders, and I love my job most days. I started my own ministry. I get to travel all over the country and talk to people and kids who might be battling depression and suicide and, and tell them that there's hope. And through all of it, just the trajectory of my life changed. That moment when I decided to to truly follow what God had for me. I don't talk about it much, but Christmas Day is always just a day now that feels like a second birthday. Now it's this day that I not only celebrate that God sent Jesus in the world for us to help us, but it's this day that, that God 
showed up for me and, and saved me and gave me a new chance and a new life. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Hope is believing that tomorrow will be better than today. No matter what that looks like for you, no matter how hard things are, how good things are, it's just knowing that God can and will meet you there, and He's gonna He's gonna bring you something even better than you ever imagined. Yeah. So proud of Sam, and uh, so grateful that God met him in his most desperate moment. And my guess is that some of you are here and you have given up. Given up on God, given up on hope, pretty much everything. But maybe today will be your moment when God meets you. Some of you need to be healed of something. We get banged around in, in life, and it hurts. And some of us need to be healed. It'd be the greatest Christmas gift you can imagine. Some of you need God to do the impossible. You look at it from a human point of view, your circumstance, your relationship, your situation, and it's impossible but not with God. He can do things in our life that are beyond explanation. Some of you, though, need to be saved. You kind of have an idea that God exists, and that's great. You may even believe that Jesus walked the earth one day, but that kind of belief or agreement doesn't save you. You need to come to a moment where you say, Jesus, I am putting my full trust in you. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to be my Savior and Lord. And I think that moment for a lot of you is this moment right now. And so I'm gonna have all of you at all of our campuses, uh, just bow where you are, just sit where you are, and let me pray for you. Let me lead you in a prayer. And again, this is, for a lot of you, this is your moment. You have nothing to lose, everything to gain. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for uh, your love for us. I thank you that we can be healed, and I pray right now that you will heal people all over our campuses. Where do you need to be healed? Just breathe a quiet, silent prayer to Jesus. Jesus, heal me here. Just breathe it to him. Touch my life. 
heal me where I hurt. For others of us, it's this prayer, Jesus, do the impossible. This relationship is impossible. This situation, this circumstance, there's no solution. Jesus, I'm asking you to do the impossible. But a lot of us need to pray this prayer. Uh, you want to invite Jesus into your life, and so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer just where you're sitting. Pray it quietly, silently before God. He knows your heart. Just breathe this prayer to receive him. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have failed, and I know that you have paid for my sins on a cross. You died, but then you rose again. You broke the curse of sin and death. And so right now, right here, I am putting my full faith in you as my Lord and Savior. I am putting my trust in you. Lord Jesus, save me. Come into my life, wash away my sins, my anxieties, my fears. God, I'm putting my trust in you, Jesus, right now. And I'll try to follow you and get to know you better in the days ahead as my Savior and my God. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, um, please stop off in our lobby. We have a place called Next Steps, or you can text BELIEVE at 555-888. We'd love to hear from you and give you some resources. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for coming out. May God bless all of you.